Welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind, where I'm interviewing Dominique Lambright. Dominique is a UW-Milwaukee graduate with a BA in English, Technical, and Professional Writing. She's the author of several books, provides coaching on blogging, achieving your writing goals, book editing, writing fiction, and nonfiction, along with many other services that you can find on her website, dmleditingandwriting.com. It's a great episode if you're trying to start a website with uh, blogging, if you're looking at writing your own book, you're looking to be coached on uh, writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, uh, good all around creating content uh, from the paper p- portion uh, and a little bit of the website portion in this episode. Please enjoy. Thank you. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Good evening, Dominique. Thank you for joining this episode of Rich State of Mind. If you could please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, so I am a writer, author, editor. Um, I have loved books since forever. I've loved words since I could learn how to write. And um, I, I always wanted to become an author and I kind of made that happen. And my journey basically started as a child and grew with me and uh, I am a person that gets bored easily so I figured if words and writing stuck with me this long you know it's meant for me (laughs) makes sense and so uh you write you write blogs you edit books you uh you also manage social media accounts so what got you into this uh media social media or uh, online content world what got you into that Um, So when I got to um, college, my main goal was to become an author, go into the English, um, the English English track that was for creative writing. Um, But then once I was talking to my counselors and things like that, they mentioned, you know, coming right out of college with a creative writing degree probably wouldn't be best as far as like finances and things like that. So they directed me into the technical and professional um, English track. So I went through that, um, got into business writing, um, editing, publishing. Publishing didn't stick so much, but the editing and the business writing and just the capability to better connect with other people in my network and things like that. And then knowing that writing expanded over so many different platforms. So once I uh, got into editing, I did notice that along with, you know, publishing books and things like that, people need um, platforms where they can talk about their books or talk about the things that they're doing. And that's kind of where blogging came in. Um, And I also had my own blog just trying to go Uh, and explain my writing journey. Uh, It's gone now. I started it when I was younger, but I like the idea of it. And then exploring other people's online content really got me thinking about how I can help others do the same thing. So um, for people who don't have the time or who um, can't do what I do, I I feel good helping them be able to do those things. And um, a lot of that is online content. It's it's very helpful and it, it gets people expanded into other areas that they probably wouldn't have been if they weren't online. Yes. Cause like I said earlier, um, online content, you know, especially having a website uh, or social media presence is definitely like the now 
you know, nobody, mm-hmm. you know, not too many people I know is out there on the street passing out business cards all day. You know, I think they have at least right. some type of social <laughs> media presence, at least an email. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, where can people mm-hmm. find you, you and your services at what, what's the name of your website? Uh, DML editing and writing.com. So the DML came from basically my initials, uh, Dominique Marie Lambright. I was it, I struggled with a title for my business. Um, and then my dad actually was just like, well, why don't you just use your initials? So I was like, that makes sense. So DML editing and writing, uh, became a part of my life in 2014. So I, um, this past March, well, the beginning of March, um, was my seventh year anniversary so <laughs> okay so when you wrote your first book uh, which we bought um <laughs> how uh how did you find out about amazon publishing uh publishes books uh how did you uh figure out about you use canva canva to um, put, it, so put it together for um so I outsource uh, book covers and the things that I can do though is I, I write the book and then I'm able to format it just learning over the years and um, just doing a lot of research on how much of, a, of it I can do myself before I need other people uh, to help me out. So I I'm personally am not a graphic designer. I leave that to them, but um, I found out about Amazon. Well, actually, I've always known about Amazon, but I looked at other places that I could publish my book. Um, So um, before I actually did my self-help series for my business, I had fiction poetry books. And so I was on Lulu. Um, Being on Lulu really wasn't as... uh, big as Amazon. So once I kind of realized that I switched over my books to Amazon and it was create space at first, and then they kind of transitioned over to Kindle direct publishing, which, um, which was good because they just kind of transferred over everything that I had on create space. Um, so that was a nice transition. It wasn't too difficult or anything like that, but I do like the, the fact that I get reports of like uh, when people buy my book or um, they give me graphs and then also for, of course, royalties, it's, it's really nice. It's all laid out there for you. So. And so with everybody doing, with everybody now doing uh, Amazon or you, they use eBooks now, uh, is there still a purpose with having hard copies, you know, like in the store, like Barnes and Nobles? Yes. So I actually did some research on how um, paperback books were progressing in the market. And I think when I did the research, it was in 2019. And in 2019, there there were bookstores still making billions of dollars. I don't remember the exact number, but as time went by, there has been no decrease in paperbacks selling less than uh, ebooks. I mean, ebooks are convenient. Um, so that's why I do both, but I do have, um, a big fan base for paperbacks as well. And I know the people that I know still love paperbacks. And if you're an avid reader and you know, it's a passion of yours, we all love that paperback. You hold it in Mm -hmm. your hand, uh, have it on a bookshelf. It's always nice. And for me, it's more comfortable to like get cozied up to a fire or something, (laughs) not with my, my phone or my tablet. (laughs) with a book right yeah and so uh when it comes to uh creating the book uh what do you find more interesting uh creating the fiction or the nonfiction? uh because i have such a creative mind i love fiction uh the nonfiction uh for me is nice because i do get to help other people in the knowledge that i've gained over time and then um also being able to help other people Uh, publish their own books or even if I can do anything to help them or encourage them to get their own material out uh, that makes me happy Um, but I do love fiction because that's where I started uh, when I was younger I I literally wrote a three five subject notebook story and I threw it away because I didn't know how to finish it but (laughs) so I got frustrated but I've, I've always loved creating different uh characters, ideas, worlds, things like that. Uh, how do you, what do you suggest for writers and uh, how to market their book? How, what are some things that you do as well? 
Um, so promoting, that is really big. Uh, you could have a great book, but if you don't have the right promoting behind it, then it could easily flop. And, and like I said, it could be great. It could probably be the most beneficial book in the world, but without people actually knowing about it or you having some sort of presence, no one's gonna know about you. So I say the biggest thing is um, you can either do all the promoting yourself, but that means that's a lot of time and dedication. So it means you need to be on social media 24 seven, maybe not 24 seven, but you get what I mean. But you gotta be on there promoting, pushing every chance you get. But if, um, if you're willing to pay some promoters and everything like that, they're not that hard to find. Um, I think they do a great job. I pay some of my own promoters to help me out. Um, they have access to a lot of different literary groups. Um, I've been joined into a lot of them, but sometimes with my schedule, I don't get a chance to be in those groups as much as I want. So the promoters come into play um, and help me out. And then- you... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> No, and then I no, was gonna. Yeah, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think I think that's the biggest thing, and then also being able to talk about your book. Um. A lot of people think that the book should sell itself. It's true to an extent, but if you're not able to really talk about your book as well when you do get the chances, then that also doesn't help as well. Because, you know, you should be excited about your book. You should always be talking about it. You know, like I said, every chance you get, you know. And uh, do you have your book on your website or the now, now books? <laughs> yes, uh, I have my six self-help books on my website. Uh, my fiction books and my self-help books are all on my author website as well. So I, I try to keep it separate. If the book relates to business, I'll put it on my business website. If it's just for fun, then uh, I put them all on my author website. And so the reason why I keep going back to the website portion, because what I've been learning is when it comes to SEO and the particular niche that uh, you have, or I, I'm currently working on too, your book can really mm -hmm. coincide with the other things that you're already doing. And so people right. sometimes may end up stumbling across your website and then they see, oh, snap, she's got books on top of mm -hmm. all the other services that correlate with what she wrote about. And I think that's kind right. of the beauty of uh, SEO and uh, over time, you know, you picking up organic traffic. One thing that I had learned, uh, I listened to Project 24, uh, Project mm -hmm. 24 Income School on YouTube. And they talk about... Uh, over time, as you're creating your articles and then, you know, you create a, a physical or, or electronic, you know, service, which would be uh, webinars or book, you have like, they have like this timer. I don't know. Do you use, because uh, uh, I use Wix. Do you use WordPress? Yes, I use WordPress. Okay. They give me uh, reports. Uh, I think, I think it's monthly. It might be monthly or I think I can check it weekly, but I think most of the time they give me like the monthly overview. So those, those of you that um, thinking about building a website, you have Wix, Squarespace, you have WordPress. Uh, WordPress, I'm hearing, I've heard multiple times that it's for maybe more uh, advanced people making a website, but I feel like from what I've noticed, it looks like it's worth it uh, because uh, it's, it's I like the, pretty, I like our uh, layouts. Yeah, it's pretty... Um, once you get it down, because I don't think it's that difficult. I've always used WordPress. Uh, my first blog was with WordPress. Uh, I didn't have a domain, but I, it was like the whatever the name of my blog was mm -hmm. WordPress.com. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty simple. Um, I think I've heard the opposite. People usually say WordPress is for, you know, beginner website designers really? and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Wix was pretty easy for me, but I've been really thinking about switching over to WordPress because WordPress does have um, Bluehost is way cheaper than the Wix services. And then they have this SEO uh, algorithm that as you're typing, it tells you uh, how good you're doing. Because I write for one of my friends uh, that I met because of Amira. I write articles for him on his work on his uh, WordPress website. And then I just do backlinks to my own website when I write for him. Oh, nice. Cool. So that's how I kind yeah, of sense the, traffic. 
Yeah, the SEO portion is very nice because um, I do the same thing. Like it'll show me the little green, the yellow or the red lights and uh, the red lights I'll focus on the most and then, you know, move up to the yellow if I can. But um, it is very helpful as well. It'll tell you like how many headers you're missing or like, oh, you need more headers or, oh, you need more keywords, things like that. Oh, yeah. And for those that don't know what SEO is, pretty much SEO is search engine operator. I believe optimization optimization and for that uh that's pretty much you the your ability to be able to be found on google because nobody's really using bing like that mm-hmm. or uh <laughs> or yahoo <laughs> so uh so that's a big thing because mm-hmm. again you're not gonna be able to reach everybody on, in the world right. not on your own and so mm-hmm. uh based on whatever niche or keyword that you're searching for which by the way keyword research is not as simple as it used to be, you know, typing, you know, self-help, 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 self-help a million times. And now people are going to find you. You have to be, uh, put a lot more, a lot more uh, girth into the, into the content. It has to have some type of rich content into it. And plus two, there's millions and billions of blogs out there. Uh, So when it comes to being found through your website, you providing a product, like in Dominique's case, a book, it really have, you have to really be providing a service because people, I have short attention span. If I don't see, what I need in uh, maybe six or seven sentences, uh, I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, this is not helping me here. Uh, so some things right. I, I've learned yeah. is, you know, answer the question in the beginning and then break down the question as you type it out. Mm-hmm. So that way you kind of grab the attention. All right, I got my answer. Now, how did we get to that answer? Uh, so on right. and so forth. So I'm not sure. Is that the same I'll- mindset with the book or oh, go ahead? Um, so I, I was just going to add in there real quick that, um, the activity on your website also helps, um, get you higher on Google. So the more recent activity that you have on your website, it's going to be higher on Google. And that just moves into the SEO, um, uh, if you have great SEO too. So, and then when you talk about activity time, somebody has been on top on your site, the bounce rate, stuff like that. Um, that and then also to just so like for me uh with with when I post blogs I post a blog every week so that gives me good activity um or like if you're adding on page content um as far as like updating new pages or uh, adding new pages um as long as there's some activity on there you're more likely to get higher up on google gotcha and so uh, transitioning from blog to book writing, because I also intend to write a book eventually, is it the same thought mm-hmm. process or do you have to kind of change your style of writing when you go from blogs to a book? Um, you don't necessarily have to because however you write your book is however you write your book. You can have your own preferred style on how you want it to look, uh, how you want it to read. Um, so a lot of the time, so with self-help books, um, you want to have a topic and then you want to have a purpose for that topic. So when you go in and write, let's say your table of contents, you want to include everything under that topic that you feel is beneficial for your reader. And if you go back through and you were like, oh, this ain't that important, then take it out because you want the information in self-help to be right there to the point. You don't want to draw anything out you want it to be as concise as possible so when you are coming up with the table of contents when you actually get to that chapter make sure you have subheadings um like your your top header subheadings and then you know bullet points if, if that's necessary so it doesn't always have to be like paragraphs and paragraphs of content you can have bullet points and then maybe lower down explain some of those bullet points or you could have graphs in there or charts, mm-hmm. whatever's going to help get your uh, information across. Because it's supposed to, it's not, self-helps can be fun to read, but it's not, ne- that's not necessarily what they're there for. They're to help you, for you to learn something. So it doesn't have to be like this drawn out information. Yeah, yeah. So some people, you know, it's been, I guess, I guess it's kind of like unspoken rule, you know, hey, you have to at least have a thousand words in order for the SEO to kind of pick you up. Uh, but if the, if the content doesn't require you to have a thousand words, then, you know, make it 500, you know, just, you know, right. stretch it, stretching out the content for no reason uh, when, you mm-hmm. know, because if I say, hey, how do you make a cake? You know, it, it could be only take 600 words. And then I'm like right. finding different <laughs> things, you know, instead of, you know, cleaning the spatula, uh, you know, off of soap, 
you got to go to the store and get the sofa 6.99 and then you know you know just added a bunch of extra stuff in there uh so right. when it comes i think yeah 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 the fluff and it's just like all right because that's that's all people are gonna be doing is just scrolling uh through there uh i think the right. one thing that's been pretty interesting is because i i focus on personal finance uh personal development real estate stuff like that so some sat very mm-hmm. saturated uh content and so right. i believe i believe in writing and what you're passionate about some people they're able to pick up things because they know that the competition is not that high like you know one right. of the guys i know he he writes about dirt biking he has no he has no passion mm-hmm. for dirt biking but he knows that mm-hmm. the the uh, that realm is very low low uh, competition uh so for me mm-hmm. you know personal finance and real estate investing stock stuff like that is my passion and then when i read those blogs i'm like hey, it's, it's a lot of competition because it, it, people <laughs> are going really in depth and some of these people there uh they have a high authority because they are cpas they are uh, real estate agents and stuff like that uh what advice would you have for people that uh are going into maybe niches that are high very highly competitive uh what what advice would you say you have for them in order to kind of stand out um, so a lot of people, they say, don't recreate the wheel. If it's already there, use it, but find a creative way to go about it. So use your creative ability, um, to maybe express the information in a different way. So like, um, there's infographics. If you want to recreate someone else's information, you can recreate it in an infograph. Or, um, if, maybe the content you read didn't have a lot of images because people are picture learners as well. So like they wanna see what you're talking about at times. So um, you can go ahead and add more images, but make sure they have alt text so that they get picked up on Google. And then um, with- That was a good tip. That was a good tip, Don. (laughs) Then then there's like, uh, I actually recently learned that. (laughs) I did like a month ago. I just just learned a month ago. Um, so, and then like there, there's so many words in the English language. It's like, and there's also tools to help like paraphrase or, um, summarize to help you out and things like that. So, um, I think there's always another way to go about it. There's always a different way to structure it. Um, and then also like if there's different headings you can use to catch people's attention, because in there's H1 and H2 headings, and those headings should have your keywords. You might have smaller headings uh, in there somewhere, but you want to make sure that the the H1 and H2 have the, the keywords. And just a quick tip for those that intend to put graphs and pictures, uh, your best bet in order to make sure that the speed is not very is not slow on your website or any blog that you're trying to uh, have somebody open, uh, try to minimize the file size as much as possible without it looking too grainy. Uh, so what I use is mm-hmm. compressed JPEG. So I can I can compress JPEG, a PNG, or a PDF, and one other format that I'm missing. But uh, it allows me to compress the file, and instead of a nice quality picture that's usually like three megabytes. Uh, I'm able to downsize it to like 700 kilobytes and it still looks great when I, uh, you know, show it on the website, but it it speeds up my time on my website a lot faster. Uh, So sometimes, especially when you're making those staple or pillar posts that are very descriptive and you're showing graphs and pictures, you want to put that content in there. Just be making sure you don't have 10, uh, three megabyte pictures uh, in your uh, blog. It'll take a while for people to open it up. Yeah. So that was that was something I had to learn the hard way. It was like taking nine seconds, nine to 15 seconds to open up my website. I'm just like, what is going on? Because it, it didn't count for me because I already had the, the what is it called? The cache of the cookies already saved right. on my phone. So it, it's quick for me. But I try to I try to use somebody else's laptop it Took 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what's going on? And that's when I learned about the compressing the, the picture file. Mm hmm. So uh, with what are the other what, what is the book that you said you just finished in December and what, what was that about? Um, so the last of that series, well, it's not the last of the series because I plan on doing some more this year. But the last one from that series that I did was uh, called Scene Setting. Um, well, actually, it's probably not the exact name, but it's about scene setting and it just focuses uh, mostly on how to create the the right type of scene 
uh, in your book. So making sure that it's detailed enough for the reader to picture um, that it is, how do I do? I mean, basically that it's really destructive. Yeah. Not descriptive. My words. <laughs> uh, just making sure that the scene that you're creating is descriptive, and that people are being able to imagine the things that you're writing about, or uh, putting the characters in the right areas in your your scene. Or, um, I mean, it's sounds like uh, sounds like screenwriting. what I'm saying is vague but it's like I mean it's just really about screen uh scene writing or just like just setting the stage for your book and so yeah you're making sense yeah you're definitely making sense yeah because (laughs) I felt um, like I was rambling there no 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 no, you're fine because you're definitely like you could be reading a book but it's just like you're just reading it you're not really feeling like you're in there and I think that's when you really capture somebody but in anything that you write when the person feels like they they could be there they feel the emotions uh they when you say, you know, in the book, you're describing somebody's heartbeat uh, increasing, mm-hmm. you you like imagine the the heart pumping harder and harder. Uh, so mm-hmm. I definitely know, you know I'm picking up what you put down pretty much. <laughs> OK, um, but yeah, so I mean, that one is smaller of um, some of my books. So like that one and the one that came before that was um, focusing on your writing. So that talks a lot about like outlining and making sure it goes for nonfiction and fiction. Uh, making sure that you're focused on what you're trying to do. So um, for self-help per se, outlining would be very helpful so that you don't get off subject or get off what you're you're trying to get your reader to um, to realize or to learn throughout your book. So those two are actually smaller only because those are really specific books. And so when it comes to your book coaching, as far as you uh, physically, either through Zoom or on the phone, coaching people through writing their books. Uh, what are some, what, how does that go as far as, you know, how much coaching are you giving? Uh, and because of what I, what I was thinking about when I was, because I was thinking about trying to hire you for when I write my first book, I'm like, well, I'm going to have so many questions. This is going to be to the point where it's <laughs> like, she might as well write it herself. So like what type of coaching are you providing to where it still kind of allows that person to go through the motions themselves, but they have you uh, for help? Um, so there is two um, different coaching. So there's an editing service that I call editing semi-coaching. And that's because they may have already written their book, but because they do have many questions, like you said, um, about their book, or they may not feel like it's finished or they feel like maybe they can't write anymore. My job in that instance towards uh, editing and, and helping them with that is to really ask them all the questions and maybe not all, but as many questions as I can come up with that a reader might have after they've read their book or maybe something that they didn't elaborate on as much. I'm asking them questions to pull out more information so that they can kind of finish off their book or make it feel more um, whole in an aspect. And so that really goes into, it can go into possibly ghostwriting, but if you can get the content out, I'm willing to help edit it and shape it in the way that you want. Um, And then the other service is just straight up coaching and that kind of ranges depending on what you need so um say go back to your instance of having a lot of questions if all your questions if I'm answering all your questions and then you still feel like you can't get the content out then I would suggest ghostwriting Um, I would say okay well I know everything that you want to write let me write some of this see if this is what you're looking for and then um, if they would like to proceed with ghostwriting, they can go that route if they feel like that's easier. But with um, coaching, my job is really just to kind of help you with how you're structuring your sentences, how you want your content to be structured, how you um, making sure that all the information that you have for this topic gets out so that people are understanding you. Like I said, the content should be concise and to the point, but sometimes you may find yourself in a section where you might have to do a little more explaining just so that it's really clear for someone. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically it just comes down to if you can write the content or not, 
or or you know you might be able to but you might feel like it's too hard or you might feel like it's too much um so it's really up to the client at the end of the day for me um I'll make my suggestion uh, I might be like okay um I had a client where she wrote her whole book it was nonfiction. it was about her life um she had very minimal content. Uh, I asked a ton of questions. Um, she was writing out the content, but she wasn't able to structure sentences properly or structure her paragraphs pop- properly. I even gave her the instruction to do so. It just, it just wasn't clicking. And, mm-hmm. you know, that happens sometimes. You know, everybody's not a writer that has a good idea. So um, I suggested to her ghostwriting. Um, so I think when it gets to that point where you're really struggling, it may just be a little bit easier for you to go the ghostwriting. So in that part, you know, when the, the somebody who writes their whole book and then, you know, you provide the coaching, editing, you you read the whole book and you write notes as you're reading it? Yes, yes. Um, so how that works is, um, so the semi-coaching one's a little bit harder to price out right away if someone hasn't finished their book. Um, usually I go with, well, what is your goal? Because uh, I base everything off of word count except for like my formatting and um uh, there's one other service that's not based on word count, but a uh, majority of my service is based on word count. So if you have a book that's say like 20,000 words, but there's still more to write, I ask them, what is your goal? And we, and I kind of base the price off of that. Now, if we go over, then of course there's additional fees, but um, for coaching, there is um, like a monthly fee for that. And so when it comes to, cause you said you, there are some people that just have a hard time pushing out content. Uh, what about those that have writer's block or if you have writer's block, what are some techniques that you recommend for people? I actually wrote a blog on it. Um, so for me, so I mentioned some of the things that I do and then some of the things that um, I kind of researched on the internet that other people do. For me, uh, going back and reading what I've already written definitely helps because then once I'm reading it, I'm getting excited about it again. I'm starting to get more ideas about how I want to end it or, and, and starting from knowing how you want it to end it and, and kind of going backwards sometimes helps too. Um, so like when I reread it, I'm sitting here generating more ideas. My creative mind is starting to get flowing again because I'm like, okay, I'm reading this. I already wrote this. Okay. I know where I'm at. How do I get to where I need to go, you know? Um, And then another thing is stepping away from it. Sometimes people need to just take a break. Um, So you can take a couple days, maybe even a week if you need to, and then come back to it and be like, all right, I'm ready to go again. And then there is also um, finding things that help you um, help peace come to mind because I write better when I feel at peace. Um, so if I can find something that gets me relaxed, um, a lot of times music is it for me. So if I got some music in the background, I'm sitting there and my creative juices are flowing. Um, also going to read somebody else's um, works of art can sometimes be inspiring for your own as well. Yeah, jazz is jazz for me. I like putting on uh, <laughs> jazz and I usually am going on for hours what is you what do you find is the most difficult part when it comes to writing um for me because I am an editor too I have to focus on not editing as I write because uh, I might <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> I that. might be <laughs> I might be writing and then like man you don't know how hard it is if I like space too much or like I misspell a word and I'm like just keep typing just keep typing oh I gotta go back and edit that word (laughs) or like if I know I messed up the sentence but I'm like on a roll like it's so I like I gotta go back (laughs) so that's the hardest thing (laughs) Uh, with you with you working you know how do you manage you know being able to work on your business what's Mm -hmm. your day like um So I try because my whole thing for 2021 was to also get some self-care. So I've literally, I'm a planner and I like to stay organized. So I've literally dedicated um, 
certain hours of the day towards things. So I currently work with a medical marijuana company as well contracted. I'm the director of content marketing. So I set hours aside to work because it's kind of like a full-time position. So I still do my business. I mean, it is part of my business because it's contracted, but like other clients that I have and stuff, I'll schedule that around what I'm doing for that company. So I'll schedule like, okay, five hours, I'm going to be working on stuff for this company. The other three hours I dedicate to if I'm working on it, like another project or something. I've now, I think my cutoff time for working at night is like 8.39. (laughs) Sometimes I would work well into 1am and I've been really focusing on And my six-year-old, she's always asking me to do stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm still working. So I've learned to put stuff aside or like tell myself this can wait till tomorrow. So um, it's a struggle because I'm a workaholic. I'll admit that. (laughs) But um, with the goal in mind is so that I'm straight for the future. Uh, I don't want to have to worry about my finances too much later on down the line. That makes sense. Uh, I try to do the 8.30, o'clock as well. I just recently started that because I find myself not having enough time to work out. So I try to make sure I get about seven hours of sleep, wake up, wake up early enough in the morning to work out because I go to I wake up for work generally, usually five o'clock in the morning. So if I want to work out, I need to wake up at, I need to wake up at four uh, and then, you know, get my son ready and stuff like that. So time management and obviously working around our main job is uh, definitely uh, a must because a lot of us, right, a lot of us that are trying to uh, accomplish the goals and financial freedom that we want, we have families, we have full-time jobs, and, you know, mustering up that energy to have this creative mind when I've, <laughs> I spent so much of my energy and time, you know, with the family, with my job, it's a lot. And it's, uh, I think it's definitely worth the reward when you've, when you've accomplished it. Uh, right. And it's, it's definitely, especially when you see that hard copy book, I'm pretty sure you're like, ah, I did that. Uh, yes. I, I tell people, even if I didn't make any money from it, I would still love it because it's my passion. And having a bookshelf full of your own books, <laughs> it's it's definitely nice to look at. That's kind of um, cool. Yeah. And I wanted to dedicate more time this year to writing as well. So I've set my goals high because I want to do four fiction books and then four more self-help ones. So um, I, I'm definitely trying to do some time management. <laughs> I feel you. What is your most, what's your most favorite part of the publishing journey? Um, I would say there's two parts. So one, writing the book, because, um, you know, that's what I love to do. I love words. And then also when it's finished and I see that the results of my promoting have paid off and then I get to see the reviews that people leave on Amazon. Or like people tell me, oh, I've seen your book and, you know, I'm reading it right now. Or, you know, they tell me they loved it. Even if they don't leave a review, it's still wonderful to hear. I, I try to get people to leave reviews, though, because it definitely helps. But um, does it help on Amazon yeah. when you do that? Yes. Uh, Amazon and Goodreads. Okay, yeah. good. I, I didn't know that. I've noticed um, I do have reviews on Goodreads. I wish some of them were on Amazon because then I could rank higher on Amazon. But um, I'm actually pretty proud. I've looked at some of the ranking of some of my books and they're in the thousands, which is great compared to knowing that there's millions of that same type of book. Yep. yep. <laughs> I can't wait right. to get in the hundreds. <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming, so one thing I've noticed with books, you know, there's some books that just get popular and somebody's been, they, the, per, the author's been dead for a decade or so. Uh, so mm-hmm. definitely, you know, your book is evergreen content. So, and for those that don't know what evergreen content is, is, is content that could always, uh, be helpful to, to readers. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to books, I don't see books going away in the next 50 to hundred years. So, no. <laughs> you know, 20 years from now, your book all of a sudden now sold 20 million copies. So that's the cool thing about it. You did it. It's done. Maybe you do maybe right. a second edition. But you, mm-hmm. for the most part, it's done and it can make you money for a lifetime. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's that. Uh, what is it called? Uh, it's one of those things that can sell itself. So you I mean, you can continue to market it and things like that. But 
honestly, once it's out there and people start talking, you know, they're recommending you. Yeah. How many times <laughs> have you heard? Uh, how many? How many times have you heard Rich Dad Poor Dad? Robert Kiyosaki. Oh my God. Uh, I've heard it so much. My parents, I think, had like three copies. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think he. I don't even think he markets the book anymore. Probably not. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't need to. And then he's all. Obviously, he has all those other books that he mm-hmm. uh, that he written as well. I think he wrote like thirteen books. What is your least favorite uh, process of the of the uh, publishing process? Uh, hmm. I guess that initial um, uploading it because sometimes they they send back things like, oh, oh, your cover doesn't fit. And it could be the right size, but for Amazon, for whatever reason, it didn't fit. Or like if your documents won't upload properly. I had a guy's book that I was uploading and it took weeks because they kept rejecting it. I was like, why? <laughs> so that, I mean, the that would be just like the hiccups of Amazon, but I actually enjoy a lot of the process. Um, formatting can be a little bit of a hassle just based on, I don't know, many factors. Um, sometimes when you're trying to format your page numbers, it just for whatever reason won't go. Or if you're trying to get the margins just right, or um, when you're trying to fix the headers on the book pages. Yeah, tedious. so that, that stuff can be tedious, yeah. yeah tedious. <laughs> Uh, how, how long do you recommend somebody that wants to write a book, but they have a jam-packed day, right? Uh, do, mm-hmm. do you recommend maybe an hour a day towards writing yeah. that book? Or I would say so, uh, minimum, just because the hour gives you, you know, that first 10 minutes to really get your mind prepared to start writing. And then maybe that next 10 minutes to just start, like, just start writing whatever's on your mind. And if you're like me and you're gonna edit try to wait till the end of that hour maybe the last 10 minutes of that hour you know get out what you can get out start organizing it uh, towards the end uh it helps to just get it all out there uh that way you don't forget anything and if you think of something later by reviewing your notes or whatever type of content you just wrote um you might come up with other things as well um so i would say minimum an hour just because if you do 30 minutes, you're not going to get the the most benefit out of it. 30 minutes is too short. <laughs> okay. And so how, how long does it usually take you to write a book? Because you've been pushing these, these books out. Uh, it just really depends on the content, the research, and um, how fast your mind is moving with the content. Like, you know, people get writer's block. Uh, I'm not an exception um that's how I've learned the things that I can do to kind of combat some of that I mean it takes a it takes some time to actually have that stuff to combat it actually work though like you can do it and practice it and hopefully you know first second time it works but you know you gotta get really in the in the zone of it (laughs) that makes sense uh so what are the uh, current books you're currently working on um so I am working on a fiction one uh, called Love Yourself First. Uh, I've written most of it. Uh, It's coming out April 30th. So I have most of it. I'm doing a lot of self-editing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I do plan on doing a point of view self-edit. I mean, not (laughs) self-edit, self-help book. And then uh, what's the other one? I I have man if you could see my folders on my computer I have so many book ideas (laughs) that's good um yeah so I'm trying to let me see if I can look at it right now (laughs) I am trying to do uh I'm sorry I really want to get the names of these out for you (laughs) uh I my other fiction uh ones that I'm trying to do this year are confessions of a psychopath so I want to do a psychological thriller and then uh, it's another book called Thought I Was Gone, and that's going to be like a paranormal book. Um, okay. And I'm excited to do that because sci-fi is my favorite. Um, so like science fiction, paranormal stuff. I love that stuff. It's just I've always been good at writing romance and erotica books. Um, so, <clears throat> so yeah, so most of the time I'm, I'm thinking up a lot of uh, 
fiction books, um, but I do have a lot of ideas for uh, self-help books. So I'm kind of always learning what people need. Um, so there is another book that I want to do this year called Showing Not Telling, and that has to do with in your writing, we want to show the reader through like the character's actions, um, dialogue. Okay. Uh, well, not necessarily dialogue because then you're telling, but um, just in how they move. So like different ways to say, instead of Sally said, you could be Sally whispered as she was blah, blah, blah. Or um, as so-and-so is walking into the room, she's doing this and that. And that's kind of showing you instead of just telling you exactly what's happening. And then um, I want to do a book about the author life and then self-publishing. I think that author life would definitely be very helpful for people that uh, are trying to write. Mm -hmm. So here's an interesting question. If you had to pick, and they could be dead or alive, who would you have (laughs) wanted to be your author mentor? Oh, man. Okay. Um, So when I was big on poetry I was really into Edgar Allan Poe Uh, I like the dark poetry (laughs) Um, and then Maya Angelou um, is pretty pretty inspirational Um, so she she definitely would have been good I do love Ellen Hopkins on it I'm pretty sure she's still alive Um, she the way she writes her prose is amazing as far as fiction goes though I don't you know, I recently learned about an author. Her name is hard to say, though. I think she's like Russian or, or something like that. <laughs> but uh, she writes uh, scary horror type books. And the first book I, well, actually, I want to buy more of her books. But the book that I read of hers for the first time was The Dead House. And literally the first first ever book to give me chills while I'm reading it. I know a lot of people oh. like Stephen King. Um I like his movies. I haven't really read any of his books. Um, Misery I, would probably be <laughs> one of the best ones I've read from him. Oh, okay. And um, I know people said it was really good, but I got traumatized when I was a child. My cousin made me Oh, Are you talking about the movie it. or the book? The movie? The movie. So I was just like, when I saw the book, I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't like clowns. But so I would say... Um, I can't think of her, like I said, her name's really hard to say. I'd have to be looking at it, but um, I would like her to be an author mentor. Um, the, like I said, the book's name is The Dead House. Um, amazing book. It literally goes into an investigation and on the page, it looks like investigation files, like the way she styled and did that book formatting wise also had an effect on me. So I was just like, this is awesome. But the That's content, nice amazing. Yeah. That's nice to get to get the reader even more engaged. It the the uh, formatting is geared towards mm-hmm. what you're what you're talking about. That's something to, to right. take in consideration. I don't know how that would go. Yeah. How I would do that real estate. <laughs> Maybe my my pages look like lease contracts, uh, lease agreements. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> there's like I said, there's so many creative ways to do things that um, there it, it's just endless. <laughs> So uh, one final question. So uh, I always like to ask all guests, uh, what do you consider your rich state of mind? What is your big why as to why you're pushing out all this content? You got all that stuff behind you right now uh, with all your <laughs> services. Uh, you're mm-hmm. a busy woman and you, you're doing a lot. You're pushing out more books than people. People would just be happy to push out one book in their lifetime. Uh, you're pushing mm-hmm. out several. So uh, what is keeping you going on day to day? My children. So when I... In 2014, I had my first daughter um, in June. So before that, though, I had worked at Target. I was still in college and everything. And I got fired from my job at Target. I kept running to the bathroom because I thought I had to throw up, you know. (laughs) Um, But uh, they ended up uh, letting me go. And at the time, her dad had a job and everything like that. But I... I'm always busy. Like I mentioned earlier, I get bored fast. So me just sitting around, I'm still doing school stuff, but I wanted to contribute. So I took to the internet. Uh, I started out on Thumbtack and 
once I got my first client on there, I realized how nice it is to like work on your own hours and um, be able to manage your own schedule and things like that. Um, But having your first child and not knowing if you're going to have a job or be able to provide for them and stuff, not that I had any doubt that her other parent wouldn't be able to do it. It was just, I don't want to be that one that's not doing anything, you know? So I've always been motivated to do things and be independent, um, do things for myself and always have money in your pockets because you never know what's going to happen. So having children um, definitely keeps me motivated because I don't want them to ever feel like we're in a bad situation or there's a situation we can't get out of and it just keeps getting worse. You know, I want to be able to make sure that they get everything that they need and then some. And I'm, I'm really big when it, ha- when it comes to having kids, right? They didn't choose to be in this world. We uh, made decisions uh, for mm-hmm. them to have, to have came in this world. So having the maturity, having the drive to uh, make sure you're doing everything you can to provide, you know, your kids with the best life or maybe a better life than what you had. Um, I think it's always awesome when I, I see uh, other people do that. I'm always rooting for parents uh, <laughs> because I think uh, the impact that you have on your kids you, you may not think they're watching or paying attention, but they remember a lot of things. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember some things that my parents were like, you remember that? Or even t- right now, my son is eight and he reminds me of certain things. And I'm like, you were paying attention to that? So uh, definitely, I think your, your kids are you know, definitely inspired by you. Uh, you are continuously pushing out content and you are definitely not, don't, not full of fluff. You, you know what you're doing you, and you seem like a perfectionist uh so in a good way uh because i mean right when it comes to editing right you know you can try to be as excellent as possible Mm -hmm. so i really appreciate uh, your time dominique i think this is very informative breaking down between uh being able to mark yourself writing a book uh being able to incorporate that with your website having a little bit of seo Mm -hmm. obviously uh with being found on being found on google your content content is key don't no fluff content Mm -hmm. is key and having some type right. of substance that is helpful to others. The, the heart in it has to be, I need, I want to help. And the money will come. The, yeah, the money my, will come. my dad always told me that. He said, just do what you love and the money will come. Don't, don't worry about it. It can be hard though when you need it. But um, I did learn that if I'm enjoying what I'm doing and trying not to worry so much on the dollar amount or like, okay, I get this project I can put it in here because if I overwhelm myself nothing's going to be good you know the content isn't going to be where it needs to be um my client isn't going to be as happy you know things like that and it, it can become um a domino effect so it's always good to know how much you can take on and make sure that you're, you're not doing anything that you can't finish <laughs> awesome well thank you Dominique this has been a great interesting episode because i personally like it as well because uh it's also a journey i'm going through as well and i'm pretty sure other people uh, will benefit from this um, bit of information and where can people find you again on your website uh dmleditingandwriting.com awesome thank you <laughs>